What's up? Welcome to the Fitness Business Life podcast. MJ Lennon here. I'm here with my co-host, Steve O'Clark. How's it going? Um, so, look, today we're super excited about this episode of the Fitness Business Life podcast. Now, before we get into it a wee bit, <clears throat> you know, the reason for this podcast is to help people in all three areas. So, in their fitness, in their business, and in their life in general. Now, the this is the first time we've brought a guest onto the show. Um, and first of all, I want to say thank you, Craig, for coming on. It's going to be amazing. Um, so listen, uh, this guy needs no introduction. My coach, my mentor, Craig Ballantyne. Um, Craig, say hello again, my man. Hey, guys. Um, so Craig, we're going we're gonna to start off you know, from the start. You, you started out in the fitness industry. Yeah. Uh, with turbulence training. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off as a personal trainer back in the late 90s, and I wanted to actually be a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League when I grew up, you know, the Ice Hockey League. And so I went to college and got a master's degree in exercise physiology. And then along the way, something happened that was a huge break for me. And the huge break for me was that I was able to go and start writing for Men's Health Magazine. When I started writing for Men's Health Magazine, it gave me critical credibility. So everybody listening, like anytime you can get in a publication or on TV, you've got to leverage that crazy, crazy hard. And I did that. And so all of a sudden it opened up a lot of doors for me, which as an introverted person was really helpful because I didn't know how to open conversations, didn't know how to, to you know make those connections without having that in place. And so I was able to do that. And that allowed me to then go on and get interviews with guys like Mike Boyle and huge names at the time, which helped me build my email list. And so it's been really, really great there, which allowed me to then go and start getting more into Men's Health Magazine. I started doing stuff for their online business and online and their website and started getting requests for programs. And I sold my first online program back in 2001, January 28th. It was a Word document with no pictures in it, which is a huge lesson for everybody. Just get started, okay? It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the fanciest equipment in your gym. You don't have to have this, that, or the other thing. Just start. And I took that lesson to heart. I always have. I'm a very impatient person. It served me well in some cases. So then I started selling turbulence training. I decided after uh, putting together all these custom programs that were taking me a long, long time, I thought, hey, how can I systemize this? And that's another lesson. How can you systemize everything in your business from getting the leads to making the sales to serving the clients while giving them all a great result. And so I decided I'm going to put together this program of my best workouts and it served hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, even though it was not a personalized program. And I've impacted more people than those people who get so hung up on, Oh, every single little detail has to be like, Oh, the, you know, this three second count has to be for this person and two only a two second for another. Let's, let's get over it. All right. So let's get on with that and systemize it so that you can impact more people, okay? The person who's 100 pounds overweight doesn't need a 3.5 second eccentric tempo. They need basics, and so you yeah. give them the basics. So I put that together for turbulence training. I learned some selling. I've always loved email copywriting, and I got into that, got into that heavily. I've sent over 7,000 emails in my life, and that was how I got started with the turbulence training, which I then ran for another 12 years. Awesome, awesome, dude. 
Craig, what what was the what was the biggest struggles in your days as a personal trainer or as an online coach as well? Well, trying to do both of them, right? You know, the the personal trainer world is often the split shift, like the waiter who works at lunch and then has to work dinner. Well, you got those dead hours in between, and you feel like you're always working, and it can kind of crush you down. Now, I didn't want to be a personal trainer for life, so I always was working on the online business as well. And if you try and find time to do a side project, you'll never, never achieve it because you don't find time for what matters in life. You make time for what matters in life. It's the same as if you're doing a fitness competition or if you're training for competitive sports, you make time for the training. You don't say, I'm going to try and find time this afternoon to train. It's not how a champion does things. But that's how a lot of business uh, ambitious personal trainers or even those studying to become a personal trainer it was like, oh, I'll find time later on. Well, no, you're not. You won't have the energy. You won't have the focus. And you won't have the freaking time. So you got to make time in the morning for what matters. And that was huge because as personal trainers, we often start early in the morning. But I got up 15 minutes earlier than I needed to. And I spent 15 minutes a day, six days a week. That's 72 hours in a year working on my number one priority in life. And that changed everything for me. It took 18 months to make the transition from personal trainer to online business owner. It won't take you 15, uh, 18 months to do whatever it is you want to do, whether it's, uh, you know, study for the personal trainer for certification or whether it's start your own gym. It won't take you that long. It took me that long because I was the first person to try and figure this out and I didn't have a coach or a mentor, which was a big mistake. And so when I got the coach or mentor, that was another huge shift for me, a huge leverage point because now I get to draw on a guy who had five more years of experience doing everything that I wanted to do and he had achieved what I wanted to achieve. So why would anybody go and try and figure that all out on their own when there's somebody there who's been there and done that? And so those were the things that helped me overcome the big obstacles in my way, which then gave me faster success. Awesome. Awesome, dude. And you, so today you're, you're, you're a coach, not just to, you know, people who own like fitness businesses, you're a coach to people right across all industries. Um, what, like, how did that transition happen and, and what sort of drove that transition? Well, the transition was that I always wanted to make it. I didn't want to I didn't want to be a personal trainer, so I drove that transition. I didn't want to be just a fitness person for my entire life. So that drove the transition. And then by becoming successful, you get a lot of people asking, "Well, how did you do it?" Very much like anybody who's not a personal trainer yet but is fit, they're going to get questions all day long, which often drives them to becoming a personal trainer because they realize the impact they can make on people. Now, I was a successful online entrepreneur in 2006 and I got all these questions how did you do it so I decided to start that was my way into coaching and my way out of fitness so I started doing that all for the fitness world then it moved into general business owners then it moved into CEOs then it moved into millionaires then it moved into people that are running 20 to 100 million dollar a year businesses and the thing is most of us all have the same problems you know whether you have 10 million or whether you have 10,000 and so listen, I can solve your problem at every single level. I've worked with somebody who has three kids, who has 4.1 kids, who has 2.7 dogs. I don't care what your excuse <laughs> is. I can, I can fix your problem. Uh, you're going to say, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, so uh, all these people, it doesn't really matter how much money they're making and stuff. There seems to be like a commonality in the problems there. Are, you yeah, know, totally. I mean, problems, they're problems. all first world problems at the end of the day, right? They're all first world problems is that, I don't have enough time for it. I feel like I'm not performing at my highest level. I had a call yesterday with a guy. He has a Google AdWords company down in Australia. You know, he's on the verge of $10 million a year, $2 million profit. And he was like, I come in and I just get into my email and into meetings. 
okay. I, I've heard that from every single person who's making like, not even making dollar one. It's the same problem. And, you know, he has to deal with a lot more emails and a lot more higher level problems, but generally same problems. You know, I have a guy who has a $20 million company selling degradable plastic products. And right now, like he, he actually doesn't know how to do marketing. And so I'm helping him with basic marketing, like, like the hero's journey videos that I teach you, MJ, that you are implementing, that you're doing for me. He didn't, he didn't have a clue about this stuff. He's like, this is brilliant. I'm going to be able to get in front of all these people and probably get to $30 million a year next year. I'm like, yeah, of course, because, you know, he was relying on, on a different model and I was able to bring that stuff in. So whatever your problem, I can solve it. And that's just because I have 20 years of experience building businesses in multiple industries. And I've talked, most importantly, I've talked individually one-on-one -on -one to over 3,000 entrepreneurs, whether they're moms, their dads, single, 80 years old, 16 years old, you name it, I've done it. And now when somebody brings me their problem, I'm like, oh yeah, here's what we did for this person. It'll work for you too. You've had that experience. Uh, yeah. Craig, we were sort of talking off camera here. So, you know, you got a lot of coaching clients now and you're known as the world's most disciplined man. Uh, what, what does the day look like for the world's most disciplined man? Because it's 3 p.m. It's 3 p.m. here. It's about 10 a.m. your time. Um, yeah. What what is the world's what is the world's most disciplined man? How does his day go? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great question. And so it's very interesting that I was out west in uh, Vancouver over the weekend. So I was three hours behind, right? Come back home, and recently I've been playing around with sleep stuff where I'm not setting an alarm. So I actually slept until five thirty in the morning. But it doesn't matter that that is later than you know, the wake up time that I talked about in the book, which is four o'clock, because I knew when I got up. You know, I know exactly. I had, I had three and a half hours. That's why I didn't have to set an alarm. I had three and a half hours before I, I was doing an interview before this. Uh, very busy day of calls today. And I was like, okay, I still got total, total amount of time. I sat down. Like I said to, to everybody before, you spend a bit of time on your number one priority. I spent time. I knocked out um, a little bit of content for some very important interviews I'm doing of interviewing people and some very important content for my coaching clients, some very important content for my team. Knocked all of that out. Then I was able to go and think for a bit. And then I was able to eat and get ready for my thing. I was not rushed at all because I knew, because I plan out my days the night before, I knew what I could do. And I'm very well rested, um, you know, because I didn't have the alarm waking me up. Now I'm going to go after I do one more interview, I'll go to the gym. I think one thing, you know, for people listening is that fitness entrepreneurs, the mistake they make is they spend too much time in the gym and you got to eventually just draw the line. Like at what point is enough enough? And yeah. so I see this from fitness entrepreneurs who are not getting ahead and I say, okay, well, you're working out five or six days a week for an hour and a half. Listen, you're not 20 years old anymore. You don't need to be doing this. There, there comes a point where you just have to draw, uh, you know, cut it off. And so we slash that away. You're like, you should, you're a fitness entrepreneur. You should know how to get the same results in a shorter amount of time. So we open up more time for that. Then I'm going to go and have a quick little meeting. And then I got more calls this afternoon. But essentially it is just, it is very templated. It is, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'm matching my greatest energy levels to my most difficult activity. And that's what people need to do. So if you need to study for the personal trainer exam or you need to put together important programs for your clients, don't do that. The last thing of the day, when you're tired, when you have no willpower, when your eyes are closing, when you want to check Netflix, don't try and match that activity with the wrong state of mind. Now, there's going to be times when we have to. We have no choice. 
but plan that out when you plan your week on a Sunday morning so that, you know what, I, I have my greatest focus. I get into flow at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to plan 11 to 1 every single day, hardcore focus, and you're going to get three times more work done when you do things that way. Do you find that that's the best way to go about doing it? You know, planning your full week from Sunday or day to day? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you take a look at any sport that you want, whether it's American football, whether it's you know uh, European football. Like these people are not saying, hey, you guys just go out in the field and make it up as you go along. You know, we get a, we get a free kick outside the uh, the 18 yard box. Anybody can take it. You know, just make it up. No, you don't do that at a professional level. In the NFL, they script out the first 20 plays of the game. You go to your favorite play in West London or or on Broadway in New York City. They are not making the lines up as they go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yet every single most entrepreneurs are like, "Hey, I'll just you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow morning. I'll just get up and do whatever I feel like, and I don't know what I got planned for Thursday." Like, if you don't know, you are shooting yourself in the foot, and you got to get yourself together. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, so? That was the, I think that was the main driver behind the books. Which, by the way, you know, Craig, the perfect day formula, unstoppable, and now the perfect week formula. That was to help you know entrepreneurs in general structure their week. Is that what the driving force was behind that? Yeah, I mean, the driving force was the questions that I got from people like you, MJ. I mean, you came to one of my events. I I think you were either at the first or second day when I that I ever taught perfect week formula concept which was in london the summer of 2018 and i i realized when i wrote the perfect day formula after i just got so many questions i got so many comments on amazon about oh you didn't cover this and that sort of thing and i was like oh man they're right you know i i wrote the wrong book here i got to go back and and improve on this and so what i did was I taught it there for the first time and then I iterated. I did 75 presentations and then we wrote the book. But the book, all this stuff and even my turbulence training, it was generated from the people. It was not me saying, oh, I'm going to force this on the world. But instead, it was me listening, much like, you know, with this podcast, you have been listening to people's questions. You're like, I got all this information. I got to help people. I got to answer these questions. I got to share why why and how they can become a personal trainer. And without that feedback from people, you'd never have a good, as good of a show. You wouldn't ask the right questions. You wouldn't deliver the great content. And I wouldn't be able to sit here and give the right answers to people if I didn't have all those conversations. So that's where it all starts. And when you have that information bank, everything becomes easy to teach. So it was all driven by you and I'm doing this for you. And by you, I mean, everybody from you, MJ and Steve to everybody listening and all the people that, you know, you guys were just at my event in San Diego, 300 plus people in the room. They all, they all asked me the questions that created the content. It's all for the user. And so whenever anybody listening is thinking about putting together something, whether it's a challenge for the gym, whether it's a new type of program, whether it's writing a book, you don't, sit there and only ask yourself what the right idea is. You got to go and know the people. Awesome. Uh, Craig, the, the event was absolutely superb, by the way. Um, Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you guys were there. I mean, it's so great. I mean, we have people from 20 different countries, Hong Kong, UK, Germany. Germany had five people. It's San Diego, and I had five people from Germany, and I get all these excuses from people in LA. Yeah. San Diego is too far. Man, you, you want to know who the winners are in life? It's the people who show up. 
Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Like what you said about finding the time and making the time, they made it a priority. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So here, Craig, there, there's going to be, you know, um, uh, we're sensitive on time here as well. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of gym owners, personal trainers, uh, entrepreneurs listening to this. Um, to make that transition, because I speak to a lot of people who are kind of stuck in the ways of just coaching nine to five. Yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of just struggling, as you like to say. Struggling. Uh, what, is, what is the number one thing that they need to do to take them from point A, working in the business, to point B, working on the business? Like, literally, I just had a conversation with a guy 10 minutes ago about this same thing, and a lot of people listening to this want to know how. Well, I, I want to know, what did you say? Well, I, I said to him, um, he, he's leading a team, and I said, you need to step away. As uh, I, I, I know what your answer is going to be here. I said, you need to step away. You need to stop coaching people on the gym floor. Mm-hmm. You need to start training people to do that job better than you because people can do it better, and you need to work on uh, high-income skills. So you need to work on you know, copy, communication, um, and closing. That's great, man. That's great. I mean, and the reason why I ask is because, you know, I've known you for like probably a couple of years now, but, you know, you've been in the coaching with me for about 18 months and, I, and I've seen your evolution where it's like, you know, you knew what to do, but you didn't necessarily know how to do it. And now you know what to do, you know how to do it and you're implementing it like a machine. You know, the, the last, you know, 2019, the last 12 months were huge for you that way. And what you did to achieve that is what everybody listening needs to have and so it's my answer to the question is first of all clarity is there were a lot of options for you to pursue and if you don't have clarity then your shotgun scattered right your shotgun scattered because you don't have a focus because you don't have clarity now what you need to do is become laser focused laser focused like a rifle shot one in the bullseye so you need to identify the top priority what is the top priority for the business this year what is the top priority for the family this year and then once you know, once you know the dream destination, you can start putting together the treasure map, the dot by dot by dot to get there. Very much like, you know, most people in life, they're going to end up either going to, uh, you know, some tourist attraction in London, UK, or they're going to, and the Americans are going to end up going to Disney World. Well, in order to get to the London, UK, all you have to do is fly to, you know, Heathrow and you take the Paddington Station Express down to the city and then you get to your hotel and then you can go to all these tourist attractions. Great. Same with going to Disney world in the United States. Like you fly to Orlando, you get in a rental car, you punch in the GPS coordinates and you drive to your dream destinations. It's a straight line to success. Now we, we just need the same thing in our own lives and everybody listening, you do this for your clients. They come to you and say, I want to lose you know, a couple stone or I want to you know, run my first marathon or whatever it is. And you go, great. Like, I'm going to draw you an exact roadmap to get there. Yeah. Yet, yet everybody listening is wandering through their business life without an exact roadmap to get there. And when you have the exact roadmap to get there, you can do what you told that guy. Stop doing the things that stop you from getting there. Like the person who's going to Disney World, if they're like, oh, maybe we should go through Vegas on the way. No, you should not go through Vegas <laughs> That's not work. on the way to Disney World. That is a bad idea. Gene's episode. And so, you know, everybody's, but everybody is going through detours like, oh, maybe I should go and start an online this or I should write a book. Well, whoa, whoa. What's the purpose of this? What's the value? How does this fit into the ultimate plan? And, you know, we need to slap everybody's hands. I need to slap my own hands from time to time 
uh, by put, you know, we're putting them in the idea cookie jar when we should, when we know exactly where dinner is and we just need to go there. Awesome. Awesome. Craig. I yeah. use like 19 analogies in that. <laughs> we, we love it. That's, that's <laughs> how people, my analogies. That's how people learn. Um, Steve, yeah, it was one thing, especially from uh, San Diego that I really, uh, took on was the whole idea of, um, you know, discipline through subtraction. I was hoping that you would maybe kind of talk a little bit about that, especially coming into the new year. People are going to have, you know, fitness goals and wanting to do X, Y, and Z on top of things they're already doing. I was wondering if you could kind of talk through that for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is something that I've really just started talking about in the last couple of months because when you say the world's most disciplined man, you know, most people are thinking Jocko Willink, right? They're thinking Jocko Willink, this guy, he's like, you gotta do this and you got, you know, we gotta add all these things to our lives. And I mean, I, I don't know Jocko. I think he's a great, uh, a leader and everything. And I just chose him because that's probably when people think discipline, they think of a Navy SEAL and that sort of stuff. And when they think of a Navy SEAL, they think of, I've got to become hardcore. We don't need to become hardcore in order to become disciplined. Okay. You don't need to be like flagellating yourself at night with a whip or anything in order to be a disciplined person. What you need to do are remove temptations. Because, you know, I grew up the son of an alcoholic and who never was able to uh, escape that. And if you think of an alcoholic who's trying to recover, oftentimes what happens is they can do the right things. They can force themselves to do the right things six and a half days per week. You know, say the serenity prayer, drink water, whatever. But then if they are put in temptation, if Johnny, the drinking buddy, says, let's meet down at the pub. And the guy goes and does it. Well, now he's in temptation and it's going to destroy all the good. Mm-hmm. So if you think to your, your own work life, right? Like if you are studying for the personal trainer exam or if you're, if you need to write programs or if you need to put together a challenge for the gym and you sit down at your desk and, you know, if everybody, anybody's sitting at their desk right now, I mean, just take your arms out to your side and rotate, rotate all the way around in a 360 and go, okay. There are, there's my iPhone, there's the book that I haven't read during my reading time, but it seems very tempting right now. There's, you know, the Netflix on my iPad, there's all these things within arm's reach, and yet I'm trying to do difficult work. And if you think you're going to get difficult work done when you have time bombs in front of you, it's not going to happen. It's very much like our clients. We're going to say to them, okay, great, Mrs. Jones, you eat too many M&Ms and crisps. All right, Mrs. Jones, let's go into your pantry. And then you go in the pantry and there's like an entire like one one thing in the pantry dedicated just to like 19 different types of crisps. Well, well there's no way she's going to beat that because the temptation is right there. That's got to be out of the house. And we've all said that to other people, but we don't make the same changes to our own place. So it's discipline through subtraction will get you so much further ahead than be, trying to become an iron-willed disciplined person where you rely on willpower. Willpower doesn't work. And willpower is a depletable resource like muscle energy. And so if you try and come home at night at eight o'clock and study for your exam or do whatever, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Craig, um, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, no absolutely amazing. I, I have one question. Like you're yeah. nearly, what are you, what are you, what are you, how have you, how have you managed to avoid coffee for this long? <laughs> Well, well, it's a good question. And so I, I did just start drinking coffee at 44 now that I'm old enough. So, you know, on the funny side, I, I look at myself as a man child, right? Like I, you know, I wear jeans that look like some it's a skateboard kid and my pants are falling down and I get in a lot of trouble for this, but 
you know, I, I look at myself as 17 every day and you've been to my workshops, uh, MJ, where I say my health goal is to feel like I'm 17 every day. And I, I live a, a life that is very similar to the way that I lived when I was younger. Now, I've always had this perspective that people who drink coffee are, are older people, mature people. And I never really looked at myself as a mature person. So that was one side. Now, on the um, another side, I had anxiety when I was younger. And everybody knows okay. if you have too much coffee, too much caffeine of any kind, you get yeah. anxious and jittery. A lot of people do. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. And so for many years, I was caffeine free. And then even if I had like a green tea from Starbucks, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and then, but then you eventually you can build up a tolerance to it. So in several years ago, I started drinking a little bit of a little bit more green tea regularly. And uh, then I started, you know, I, I, hey, I like a good monster energy drink. I'm not going to lie to you. So I'll drink some of those and, and like, let's be honest, and even pre-workouts, but I get like these crazy ideas and like super creative when I drink caffeine and I'm like, and then like an hour later, after I calmed down, I'm like, whoa, I'm glad I did not post anything. Public. What was that? <laughs> I remember one time I was thinking, like, I'm going to lip sync. Oh, no, I'm going to sing Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue and make up fitness lyrics and put it on YouTube. I'm like, what kind of crap is this? <laughs> that, that, you know, it's like after I, I had like NO explode for the first time, like that pre-workout. And I was like, I don't know if this is good. So anyways, there was the anxiety and the whole concept that coffee is for older people. And then when I was 35 years old, I was going to have a coffee but on my birthday. So it's like, hey, on my birthday, 35 years old, that's a pretty good age. And I forgot. And it was like, oh, now it's a day after. I'm going to have to wait till I'm 40 now. And then I waited until I was 40. And it's not like I really wanted to. Um, and it's not like I dislike the taste of coffee because my favorite alcoholic drink or, you know, cocktail is a black Russian, which is Kahlua, which is a coffee liqueur. So I'm not anti-coffee. I don't like tiramisu or anything, but I'm not anti the flavor. So on my 40th birthday, I was like, you know what? I don't like the coffee options available. I feel like they should be better for the first time. And then just on the weekend, you know, I'm 44 now and it was just a special occasion. So I had a coffee. I had an Americano, which I didn't wasn't really blown away by i found it kind of watery and then uh, the last two days i've had an espresso so this is all brand new to me um and right. that's that's my story and i'm sticking to it awesome absolutely awesome man craig thank you so much for your time today no, no problem guys no problem and so everybody listening follow this guy listen to what he says he's a student of mine and he's one of my best students he's he's done so many great things and he's going to help you do great things too awesome man thank you very much Take care, Craig. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.